Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. <clears throat> what I have to say might come as a surprise to some of you. To others, this will not be surprising at all, but here goes. I have been in prison so many times I've lost count. Fortunately, I was always able to leave whenever I wanted or needed to go. Mostly my stays in prison were in my life before seminary, where I knew God had a call on me, but I kept trying to meet this call on my terms, not God's. And about that contest, spoiler alert, God wins. Before seminary, I had been doing lay ministry in various ways with various communities as my career moved me from city to city. When I was in Indianapolis, I served in a prison ministry at Pendleton Correctional Facility. When Dante wrote about heaven and hell and the inferno, he mentioned hell as a rigidly structured and hierarchical place. So is prison. There is a very strict hierarchy in prison. The lowest prisoners were those who had hurt children and also those that the prison population thought were weak. For many inmates, if you were seen as someone who could not defend yourself, then you would be persecuted mercilessly. And for that reason, prisoners who had accepted Christ were in trouble. A Christian was seen as a weakling, since a Christian is only supposed to turn the other cheek, right? But if you defended yourself too well, then you were considered another kind of a weakling, someone whose actions did not match their words. A hypocrite is a weakling. And it is interesting that prison helps you realize that. During our once-a-week prison meetings, we would be ushered into a common area that would become a makeshift chapel. After we set up the inmates who said that they wanted to go to this chapel, were allowed into what is now the sacred space. Escorted by the guards, with the maximum security inmates in one group, and the medium security men in another side of the chapel. We were only allowed to know the first names of the inmates, and they, our first name, because you didn't want them trying to find you. The inmates were a mixed crowd in our services. The majority were committed Christians, but there were those who were there only because they wanted to get out of their cell for a few hours. And I don't blame them one bit. And maybe they were helped by their time with us. Others attended because they wanted to know more about this Jesus guy, as I was told once by a prisoner. Those inmates and him were wonderful because their walk with God was starting there. It just took prison for them to realize that they needed something else in their lives. But there are others, though, who acted interested but were really there to gather information on the others who were there. It was important for the prisoners who were gang members to know who might be interested in Christ. 
because then they would be unreliable. Those spies were hard to pick out, since they could be just like some of the other inquirers that would show up. One night, the inmates were coming into the, into the chapel, and suddenly there was a disturbance at the chapel entrance. I saw some of what was happening. One prisoner was about to go in, but he was stopped by another prisoner and told to not go into the chapel or he'll regret it. The guards came up to stop this potential fight, and I saw one guard ask the prisoner who was stopped if he wanted to go into the chapel. This prisoner was sweating and nervous. The other prisoner was shouting as he was being led away. I think the shouting prisoner was an informant, but also a friend of the stopped prisoner, and the spy didn't want to have to inform on his friend. Because if you're an informer, you don't want to be caught in a lie. Anyway, the one prisoner was nervous, and in fear he answered he didn't want to go into the chapel. He went back to his cell, escorted by guards. And that takes me to today's gospel reading. It's from the Gospel of St. Matthew, as Father Joe pointed out last week. Chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew are answers to a question that many of his disciples were asking then, and many people are asking now. What will the end times for this current world look like? And last week we heard about the parable of the ten virgins, five of whom had prepared themselves with oil and five who had not prepared themselves, with oil traditionally being a metaphor for the Holy Spirit that is given. And after that parable, Jesus immediately segues into this one for today. Jesus explains that the kingdom of heaven is like a man with much property and servants, who needs to leave his lands knowing that he will be back someday. The man called three of his servants and gave the first servant five talents of silver, the second two talents, and the third one talent. (laughs) To give you an idea of how much silver is in a talent, under Moses' law, A Hebrew talent is about 60 kilograms of silver, or about 132 pounds. If you remember elsewhere in scripture, in another parable, men agreed to work all day for one denarius. A denarius is about four grams of silver. So one of these talents is worth about 60 years of labor. It is a lifetime of work. The wealthy man left. The first servant grabbed his five talents and traded with others, making five talents more. The second servant went out into the world and also doubled his master's money. And then there's the third servant, who's unnamed but we might as well just call him Chris. This servant was afraid, and instead of going out into the world, this servant buried his big block of silver and kept it safe. Then the master, after a long, long wait, returned. He had come once into his lands, had left, and then came again 
for a second time. The first servant came to his master, his lord, if you will, and gave back the five original talents of silver and five more talents. And the master, his lord, was pleased, giving this first servant a great reward, not money or land or anything worldly, but instead the servant received the joy of his master. The second servant came, comes in front of his master, his lord, and gives two talents plus two talents more that were earned from working within the world. The servant receives the exact same reward as the first servant, even though looking just at the money value he gave his master, it was less than half what the first servant gave. Such is the grace and mercy of his Lord that the second service servant also entered into the joy of his master. Then the third servant came up, the, the, the servant named Chris. While the first two servants gave their master his own money and more, the third servant gave back the original big block of silver and only excuses. This last servant was afraid and did nothing with what he had been given. He had buried the treasure as if he was ashamed of it instead of using it to help grow his master's domain. The master calls the servant wicked and slothful. Being wicked is acting in evil, a deliberate rejection of that which is good. And slothful is being lazy and not working for the master. Isn't it interesting to hear Jesus saying that being idle and not acting to help his master is the same as being wicked? Jesus is, Jesus is equating doing nothing as being the same as doing evil. Maybe there is something to that Protestant work ethic, huh? And this wicked and slothful servant has a displeasure of his master explained to him with the servant being cast out into the darkness where there is only weeping and the gnashing of teeth. It's interesting to note that this last servant, he had complete faith in his master returning. Why else would he bury that talent unless he was sure he would have to give it back to the master someday? He had complete faith. No, the servant was sent to the outer darkness, not for a lack of faith, but instead because of his fear. Throughout history, Christians have been subject to fear. Fear of losing their status or wealth in society, or literally their lives, depending upon which Caesar or Sultan or Caliph or ruler that God had in his providence placed over them. And that is one of the reasons Jesus states to the fearful servant that he is both wicked and lazy, because the servant is. The servant rejected the master's potential reward because he could not act in faith and courage to work in the world with what he had been given. 
The servant disregarded the need to bring the master's wealth and blessing into the world and did nothing, even hiding that which the master had given him. Our modern world is doing all it can to silence Christians who wish to stay true to the faith once delivered to the saints. Society, the world, wants us to say nothing and conform when pressure is put on us to do what the world says is right or is better for all involved or to be, quote, on the right side of history, unquote, as we are told. Let me ask all of you a question, and I don't expect to hear an answer, but think about it in your head. Who are you afraid to speak out against? The thought or image that popped into your head to answer this question, that tells you who your master is. Was it Christ? Or was it someone or something else? Fear condemned the third servant because it stopped the servant from going out into the world, just as we are to be bringing Christ to other people. Nowadays, we are reluctant to present the gospel because we fear that we will be condemned and lose our place in the world. But Christ has put us and that person in front of us together. And it might be so that this other person can see through us and hear through us the gospel. But it depends upon us to put away our fear and to step forward in faith to be what we have been called to be, Christians, not fearful cowards. In summary, I have heard of righteous anger, such as when Christ ejected the moneylenders from the temple. One trait of righteous anger is that it is done not to profit you, but to help defend something holy, that it can be misused, which is why I'm very cautious discussing this. But while I have heard of righteous anger, I have never heard of righteous fear. Let us together bring Christ into the world and not hide that which he has given us. Amen.